Hey everyone, and welcome to this part one of our two-part series previewing the annual Rhode Island Author Expo. This is a great event that I go to every year and I always have a blast. It's happening on December 2nd, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Crown Plaza Ballroom in Warwick, Rhode Island. As part of our coverage, I'm once again previewing this event by speaking with a handful of the 100 plus writers you can meet there. Opening this is Brielle Lilygarden talking about her two children's books, Fishy Fishy and Fishy Fishy Goes to School. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. This is Citywide Blackout with a very special series of interviews for the upcoming Rhode Island Author Expo now in its 11th year. This is happening on December 2nd. 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Crown Plaza Ballroom in Warwick, Rhode Island. If you've never been, this is a really cool thing because it's a showcase essentially of more than 100 writers all from the Rhode Island area. We have horror writers, we have fiction writers, we have science fiction, fantasy, drama, memoirs, you name it, it's there. It's a totally free event. There's also going to be some panels and some guest speakers. But I have the great pleasure of talking to one of the many writers who will be there. Her name is Brielle Lilligarten, and she has a two a children's books, which you can definitely get, and I highly recommend because the art looks absolutely amazing. Uh, Brielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Of course. So uh, why don't we start just by talking about your two books. You have um, the first one you released back in 2021 uh, called uh, Fishy Fishy. The one you released this year called Fishy Fishy Goes to School. I'm sensing a pattern here. Yes. So I, it wasn't really intentional when I started out. Um, when I had come up with the idea for Fishy Fishy, I was actually... You know, I had two very young children. We read a lot of board books, kind of was like my inspiration. And I just love the ocean and, you know, just kind of like the sea creatures in the ocean. So I kind of just like took everything and rolled it into one. And that's kind of how Fishy Fishy came up. And then when I had was trying to think about my second book, I had started asking, you know, some of my friends and family and, you know, people who had started following me from Fishy Fishy. And I said, you know, should I do another Fishy Fishy book or should I change it up? And across the board, 100% unanimous, everybody was like, no, you have to do another Fishy Fishy. You have to do another Fishy Fishy. So I decided, you know, I said, when the board book came out, my readers were very young. And then I figured, you know, fast forward a couple of years, some of the readers were getting ready to go to school. So I figured I would have fishy, fishy kind of grow with my readers and my fan base. Okay. So does this mean we're going to be seeing a whole like series of fishy, fishy books? Do you have like more in store? Um, I think so. I, I'm working on my third book, which is not fishy, fishy related. Um, I'm tying that into <laughs> Uh, what I do as a day job. Um, I'm also a realtor, so I'm kind of going that avenue and tying that in somehow. But there definitely will be uh, more fishy, fishy books to come. I have a couple I, couple of ideas. Um, even my kids are into it now and they keep giving me ideas. So there will be more to come. Okay, but all right. More on that later. But, but I want to ask how you were tying in your career as a realtor with children's literature. So I can't go into 
too much detail just yet. Um, but I did come up with an idea. And actually, I was I was talking with my broker. And, you know, we were kind of like just chatting in the office one day. And we had kind of, you know, come up with this idea. And he was like, Oh, you should you should do this. This would be a really good idea. Um, so I thought about it. I, you know, it took me a couple months to kind of get it going and get it in the works, but I did finish the manuscript. So I'm going to start working on getting my illustrations done and pursuing that. So stay tuned. It will be coming out in 2024, hopefully, but I can't really say. Oh, no, no, no. That. Keep it a secret. Keep it a secret. <laughs> now, you mentioned that uh, your kids have also given you some kind of feedback for the books. Anything that has been incorporated into the stories or that might be used down the road? Like as far as like different ideas for? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So my older, my kids are now six and four. And my six-year-old, she's always like, oh, mommy, you should do fishy, fishy, like go shopping or fishy, fishy goes on an, goes on an adventure. Um, so she's kind of got like all of these ideas rolling around that she wants me to turn into a story. <laughs> Readers are always offering feedback. You know, they're always like offering these, these ideas and sometimes they actually come in handy. Yes. <laughs> so I'm curious as to what happened to sort of make you sort of pivot a, a little bit to doing like writing. So I was actually an English teacher for 15 years. Um, I taught middle school English, and I just have kind of always had a passion for reading and writing. Even like as a young child, I always wrote my own like little chapter books, if you want to call them that, or I was always writing a story. I was always reading a new book. So that's kind of been like ingrained in me since a young child. And then being a teacher, Obviously, you know, I just tried to spread that love of reading, the passion for reading and working with middle school students. That wasn't always, you know, the easiest to get them excited and get them convinced that, you know, a good book was a good idea and a good time. So it kind of just like all rolled into one that way. Like ever since I was little, I loved writing, the teaching. It kind of just all like came together. I'm curious, though, why this particular kind of book? I mean, you could, you could go anywhere. Yes. And I, I eventually I would like to get into like chapter books and like young adolescents. I think just at the point in time in my life, I had, you know, two very young children and I was kind of like immersed in the world of board books and rhyming books and children's books. So it kind of just fit that point in my life. But now, you know, as they're getting older, I kind of want to keep growing with that. And, you know, just as Fishy Fishy has grown a little bit, kind of keep keep going along that trajectory and keep growing it. Hmm. Now, did you go through different ideas before you, uh, before you hit on Fishy Fishy? I had toyed with the idea of doing an animal character because I feel like that, that's, you know, pretty common. And I was like, do I want to go that route? Or do I want to actually use like a human character? So I had kind of played around with a lot of different drafts and a lot of different writing. And then one day it kind of just clicked and I was like, oh, I should use a fish. Like I, I, I can't even say like there was one thing that made that decision. It kind of just like popped in my, into my head and I was like, oh, let's try that way. And I don't know. It just, I started typing and it just kind of like flew off my fingers and it worked. 
You mentioned earlier that, of course, you have gone through a ton of these, these kinds of books with your kids. Any particular writers that you might count as um, an inspiration? So I love Eric Carl. I I just ha- always have since I was little. Um, I have all of his books for my kids. They just were books that really like captivated me as a child and like my own children loved brown bear brown bear and very hungry caterpillar they are still favorites in my house and now like i my six-year-old is starting to read and i love now that she can read those to me so where i live i am a basic a stone's throw away from from the eric carl museum oh cool yeah whole museum for this guy's books which is pretty which is pretty amazing really speaks to the influence he has do you feel like the series has a message or a lesson for, for kids? Yes. So I, I feel like it started out as kind of like a lighthearted, like just happy-go-lucky. But I feel like, you know, as he's getting older, I guess, um, you know, kind of just like overcoming challenges, like Fishy Fishy goes to school. It's about the first time going to school and he's feeling a little bit nervous. So just kind of like overcoming that challenge and, knowing that things are going to be okay. Like it's okay to try new things and it's okay to, you know, explore different things and, you know, face those challenges head on. I like that. I like that. All right. Now, of course, with a book like this, we have to talk about the art and the art for this series is really, really beautiful. Yes. So the illustrator, he is absolutely amazing. Um, I was introduced to him through my first publisher, Um, when I had originally started researching, I had gone through this particular publisher and they had given me a database of a bunch of different artists. And they said to kind of look through the artwork, pick the ones that most closely, you know, related to what I had envisioned for the book. And he was one of the top ones that I had picked. And when he came back with the illustrations, I was just blown away. I, I was like, oh my goodness, this was even better than I had imagined. He just perfectly captured the story for me. And then with my second book, I had decided to go with a local publishing company. And, um, you know, I had asked them, am I still able to use the same illustrator? I wanted to carry the illustrations, you know, since it was still the same characters in the same, you know, in the same series. And they said, yes, absolutely. So I had reached out to him on my own and he said, yes, you know, I would love to do it again. And again, he, he blew it out of the water. I I think he perfectly captured the story, the characters, just everything about it. Um, His name is Nidholm. What would you say about his artwork that just really nails the feel of the book? I think just the bright colors that he uses, like it's a very vibrant, uh, very colorful book. And I, I know at least, you know, my kids and, you know, the other children that I've spoken to that have read the book, they kind of just like draws them in. They, they're like almost like entranced by the colors and by the illustrations and like really just the way he made the fish look like, I feel like fishy fishy is just like this cute, fun loving fish who here to have a good time and like go on his adventures throughout the ocean. And I think he just really like captured that. Mm-hmm. Let us now talk about the upcoming author expo. Will this be your first year there? It will. Yes. Oh, first timer. I like this. I like yeah. this. <laughs> What's your expectation about this event? 
I'm not really sure. I mean, I've heard so many great things about it. Um, I had planned on going last year, but my cousin had ended up getting married on the same day. So that kind of trumped it. Yeah, I can see um, that. So I, I feel like I have all this like anticipation, like built up around it. So I don't know. I'm expecting a very busy day from what I hear. You know, it attracts a very large crowd. Uh, so I am excited. I I've bumped into a lot of authors doing other events. So I'm excited to see some of those same authors at this event and kind of just like support each other and have a great day. Okay, so you are new to the expo, but you're experienced at doing events. So I'm curious as to what your elevator pitch is when people come up to you for the first time. Um, so I I try to draw in. <laughs> Um, as many different, you know, people as possible, whether they might be, you know, grandparents, families, young couples expecting, um, and really just, you know, say like, do you have a young child? Do you know any young children? Um, the board book is perfect for young children from like birth to age two. So if you know anybody that fits that category, it's a fun, lighthearted rhyming book. And then now that I have the second one, you know, I go on to add that Fishy Fishy has grown up a little bit. He's getting ready to go to school. So if you have any little ones that are getting ready to go to preschool or kindergarten, this is perfect for them to kind of help them overcome their anxiety and maybe nervousness they might have about going to school for the first time. Ah, okay. Okay. What are you hoping you get from being at the expo? Meeting a lot of new fans and a lot of new readers. So I, I love when people kind of just come up to my table and chat. Um, I will talk about books with any, basically anybody. So I just love when I have people who come up and kind of just start chatting. You know, they ask me about the book. They ask me about the illustrations. And just being able, again, to share that love of reading, that passion for reading, and kind of just the importance of reading. You know, like a lot of times I'll have, People come up to me and say, oh, I do have a baby, but they're only four months old. So then I always I always jump in and say, well, it's never too early to start reading. I said, you know, like I've read to my children since literally the day they were born. Um, you know, and they obviously don't understand at that point, but it's just getting them used to it, getting them to see the pictures. And, you know, so I kind of just approach it that way and try to just really share the importance of reading with everybody. I like your very savvy salesmanship here. This is really, this is very <laughs> impressive. So working as a middle school teacher and then later on as a realtor, do these careers really help you when it, uh, uh, when it comes to either like uh, marketing the book or talking to folks? I think so. I, I think, I mean, my, my love of reading really is genuine. So I, I hope that people can see that true passion in me and like that I, I really am being authentic about it. So I hope that like shines through in my writing and in, I guess my sales pitch, you know, as a realtor, I've, I've learned kind of how to market different products and houses and stuff from that. end. so I feel like that's helped a little bit, you know, with my sales and my books. How has that gone for you? Because I know that when it comes to whether you're doing books, music, or movies, marketing can be the hardest thing. It can be. And it, it's like super important to reach the right audience, because if you're not reaching the right audience, you know, nothing's really going to happen. 
I found that a lot with going to different events. And when I first started writing, I just basically jumped at any event that was out there. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to sign up for this. I'm going to sign up for that. Sign up for this. And I was finding myself like going to all these different events. And some I was doing super well at, you know, I was selling like 20, 30 books. Other events I would sell like maybe three if I was lucky. <laughs> and, you know, I had to kind of like step back and say to myself, I need to make sure I'm hitting my target audience. So, you know, like a children's event is the perfect kind of event for me to go to. Is a craft fair really where I should be? Mm, maybe not so much. So I kind of, I've started to be a lot more selective in where I'm going to make sure that like I'm getting the most out of it and that I'm not taking up a vendor table from somebody else that maybe really should be there. Mm. So I've kind of like, learned how to navigate through that part of like the marketing and getting myself out there. That is very key too, because uh, like I said, when you're starting out, you might be able to think, okay, I'll just go to everything, you know, I'll just go to every single event that I can think of. And the next thing you know, you're at something where you think, well, I'm selling nothing here. No one's really looking at me and this is silly. So I think it's very key to really do the research and ask yourself, okay, where am I best situated? Right, right. Well, certainly, I hope that the expo is uh, um, is is going to be the place for you. And a quick reminder, folks: again, uh, this is happening on December second, ten a.m. to four p.m. It's a free event. Of course, lots of great books to buy. There'll be panels. We'll be doing raffles. A whole lot more. And if you want to learn more about this wonderful writer, uh, you go to brielilybooks.com. Link will be in the description. And Brielle, thanks again. Appreciate you talking to me. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, this is John F. Murs, author, actor, and owner of 1021 Studios, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. Coming up, it's Paul Mainville for his book, 15 Miles, One Man's Journey to Find Family and Self. It's based on Paul's journey to meet his birth family years after learning that he was adopted. Paul talks about the process of writing his debut book and what he experienced reliving this part of his life. And joining me now to talk about his book, 15 Miles, One Man's Journey to Find Family and Self, is writer Paul Mainville. Paul, welcome. It's great to be talking to you. Pleasure. Uh... I'm excited, actually. Uh, not often speechless, so <laughs> go ahead and lead the show. Here. All right, uh, all right. Like me to say okay. You. All right. So, so this, so this is a really interesting book uh, you have here, Paul. Basically, it, it's really all about your life. You know, it, it's about the fact that you were adopted, which you know you you know always knew, and kind of your journey to find out who you really were. So, I guess the question I want to open with is. What led you to sort of begin this journey to kind of find out, you know, who you were, your real family and all that? Well, it certainly is a lifetime of wondering. And if I could add to that thought, the reason I wanted to write the book is because I wanted to see if I could nip in the bud younger people's need to have to wonder. And uh, although you could never erase that wonderment, you could always uh, 
help people understand that there are victories in life and uh and you need to look for those victories and you need to work hard at it and uh and not be deterred i was very much bothered uh growing up by not knowing and some might do better than others with that for me it led me uh a bit astray it it had me wondering uh you know too much about who what when where why 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 wasn't i good enough when i had a conversation once with a with a foster person a foster child uh, that was when the notion was added to my wondering about you know why wasn't i good enough Mm. And, and every human being has a purpose, and certainly we're all good enough. Uh, yeah. So that was the reason. Uh, and in the book, it gets to jump into the end. It gets to the point where when I found out it was easy as one, two, three. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it wasn't this, like, big, like, shock and revelation. It was just, oh, yeah, this is who I am. Well, I think that the shock came from... And if you realize the title, uh, we don't want to talk too much about the title itself and uh, <laughs> because that would give you the ending. But uh, certainly when you're in my case, when you realize certain facts, uh, uh, that was a shock. It was uh, uh, it was definitely an amazing journey. And there's. Well, there's a chapter in the book that talks about it's you, isn't it? And that was her response when I actually dialed her up on the telephone. Oh, so you so you were able to connect with your birth parents? All right. Well, my birth mother. I okay. haven't. Uh, on that line, you know, I had a family that I was adopted into and grew up with, and it was a family, you know, cousins and uncles mm-hmm. and aunts and. And then all of a sudden, I had another family. Mm-hmm. So when somebody said, are you going to look for him? I was like, I don't know. It's three families more than a man can handle. <laughs> <laughs> three might be a little much, I think, actually. I think, I think, I think two is good. Two is solid. Um, what was it like to connect with your birth family for the first time? That part of the book, I, I don't want to ruin it for people. Fair enough. Quite Fair frankly, enough. Uh, uh, it was overwhelming. Yeah. It was, I, I, I'll, I'll say this, that when I actually knew that I had found her, I hung up the phone and I had one of those, what, what would they call a good cry? I, I, I think I cried for four hours. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I just let go of all that emotion, all that wondering, all that, looking at faces in a crowd. I had, I was a kind of a red haired kid. So I'd look at people with red hair and wonder if there was a connection. Uh, all those moments in my life were going all the way back to the first chapter when kids say, you know, what happened to your real mother? And I would make up a lie that so they got killed in a car accident and mm. burned in a house fire, you know, just trying to justify it in my, you know, my young mind. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly, that was a, that was, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. How about looking at your adoptive family when you realized, oh, wait, my birth family's out there. Did that kind of change your perspective on your adoptive family, or were they still your family? 
I think it was a bit odd that, uh, and a good question actually, that uh, I think without ever hearing anybody say this verbatim, uh, I think some of my cousins felt supplanted. Mm. Like all of a sudden there was this new group group of people and I was enamored and, you know, actually had written a book about finding them. And I think there was... uh, just recently, I tried to have a, a my, some of my cousins here at a cookout we had to meet uh, my my brother and sister-in-law and uh, and get my other adopted brother down here. And I, I think that, uh, well, it didn't pan out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe it wasn't the right time. I I just felt like if there was a group of people here, that they would have some cover, you know what I mean? It wouldn't be just them and us. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Okay, I want to ask about the journey, though. How did you go about finding your birth family? Actually, uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, Yeah. I went to, uh, I was adopted out of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. And I remember going there, many years before I found anyone and, and, and saying to a lady, you know, my date of birth and blah, blah, blah. And she said, Oh, those records are on microfilm. You know, you know, it'll be years before you hear from us. And of course she went back to living my life. And, uh, and, and, and then all of a sudden I got this paper in the mail and, I went to sit down at St. Vincent de Paul Society and they, they gave me one sheet of paper, asked me, do you need counseling? I said, well, for two failed marriages and, and, and many failed relationships, I could use some counseling. But about this, I think I'll be all right. And <laughs> the lady got a chuckle out of that. But in any event, uh, she handed me a piece of paper and there was information on that paper that when I really sat down and read the information, and made a few phone calls, I was on the phone with my biological mother. Wow. It was almost just, holy crap. And uh, and as I said, after hanging up the phone and realizing, and uh, uh, it was just, it was more than a man could bear. It was more than anyone could bear. It yeah. Was, uh, uh, the combination of a million times that I think about it and, uh, I, it's hard to put that into words, but yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet. All right, let's talk about the writing of the book. Now, is now is this your first book? Yes. And, wow, uh, a labor of love, man. It was for a for a fellow who can't type. I'm a, what they call a hunt and peck typer. You know, one oh, yeah. <laughs> Me I, too. I, I, <laughs> I uh, used Dragon software, so mm-hmm. after. Repeating a, a, a thousand words so it would get used to my voice. I sat at the computer and I, my inclination to write this book was to take away the wonder and let kids be kids and 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 look at different things as opportunities and and don't focus so much on as I said before the who, what, when, where, or why. Uh, but focus on the person in the mirror. Focus on yourself. Focus on that. Because I did say at one point in the book, life comes at you really quick. 
And before you know it, you're on a journey and you might not have chosen that journey. Mm-hmm. It was chosen for you because you weren't well enough prepared. And so I, I sat at the computer and I, I, I spoke the words and I watched them appear on the, on the, on the computer screen. And, and I spent years writing this book and I spent years more crying when I'm reading the words and I had written a lot about relationship or this or that and thought, I don't want to bore a kid with that crap. But the pain of seeing my life appear on a screen was, so it took a few years for me to write this story. And then when I had finished it, I had done a few letters of query, they call them. And, Mm -hmm. And 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 gotten yeah thank you anyway thank you anyway thank you anyway and then someone uh, who I met a very intelligent older woman that I did some roofing business with uh, sent me to Stephen Porter mm. uh, Water Press and that for me was where it really got done but uh, my wife had a hand in that but she wasn't my wife at the time i was reunited and i talk about it in the in the in the in the book a little with the first girl i ever loved from 1972 and uh and and she and i were brought back together she was married to a fellow who passed away i was single at the time uh and and we were just came together and it was like god had to forge me in the fire for a few 40 years before you <laughs> let that happen. So she actually took this pile of papers off the top of my printer and I didn't realize it. it was in my office and I'm busy. But, and then one day brought me home a manuscript and I looked at this and I thought, yeah, God, this is actually going to happen. And then, as I said, uh, meeting with Stephen and him being a wonderful influence and really pushing the you know, past the finish line, we get it published. And uh, sadly for me, it was published and came out when when COVID hit in 2020. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> not the most not the most ideal time when you wanted to plan things like book signings and tours and readings <laughs> that involve folks actually being in the same spot. Right. So and then it just sat there, and it just, but it was done. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's done. And, and now you're getting the chance to actually get in front of hundreds of people at this expo. Um, how are you at doing that? How are, how are you at just like meeting folks and talking about your life and your book? Well, I will say this. I learned something the other day that uh, uh, and life is a journey, right? And if you stop, my, my friend was in California as a wandering lad many years ago, and he was studying with a guru. And the guru said, and he came back and he was all enthused. And he said to me, um, the guru said that when you're too old to learn, you're ready to die. And I always never forgot that because my friend died. He, uh, he died a, a, a suicide death. I was oh. brokenhearted. But I learned something this past weekend about a book that, uh, about this book, that I, I was at a craft fair and I answered the I had uh, a lot of people come up. I sold like 25 copies of the book that day. But I, all day I was having to say to people who were looking at the cover on this like movie projector screen thing uh, that pops up and says 15 miles and shows the cover of the book. And 
I'm going to talk to Steve about this because I, I almost want to, instead of one man's journey to find family and self, I want to change that uh, to uh, the wisdom of an adopted son. Mm. Because I find myself, I don't know, 50 times that day saying it's a book about me growing up adopted. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that I'm going to talk with Steve about that one change because anyway, yeah, that was title, just something I learned just recently. Yeah. Titles are hard. Titles are very hard. And that actually leads to my next question. The title of 15 Miles, if it's not a spoiler too much, what's the significance of that? I can't even say it. Oh, you can't even say you got to read the book, folks. I, I, I wish you got to read the book. Yeah, you got, no, that's okay. That like opportunity, but... Uh, you really do have to read the book. I like that. I like. It. I think I know what it means, but I'll keep it to myself for now. Let's move I think on. You're then. astute enough to have an idea. Yeah, I think I might know, but let's move on. Uh, I want to ask about the cover art because I really liked the cover art. Whose design was this, though? Oh, this was a great story. Michael Wackel Senior is a fellow who developed Parkinson's. And he was a right-handed fella. And there's a story about Michael, uh, Michael uh, com, And i got to give him a plug. He's a tremendous man. His right hand shakes with the Parkinson's. So he taught himself to paint with his left hand. And he is a savant. This guy did took the pictures of a couple of the houses. You see the house in Woonsocket and the house in Pasco. And... I, I, I said, put it and make it like a map, even though those towns run east to west. You got to do it north to south on the, the south on the book. But, you know, just paint in some things that people would recognize. And I left them with it. And about a day and a half later, two days tops, he said, it's done. And, and when I saw it, I just fell apart. It, it, it seemed to be that it seemed that this was meant to be. And uh, Michael is a, is, lives with Parkinson's disease. He's a tremendous man. He's a, a very uh, talented Finnish carpenter, uh, works with another friend of mine. But uh, if you want to see some artwork, uh, he's a he's a watercolor artist, uh, a tremendous, a tremendous, tremendous man. Oh, certainly is. He certainly is. What do you hope people take from this book, from the from the uh, the time of reading it? That there's always hope. Yeah. That 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 would be. Uh, you know, I've 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 experienced a lot. Uh, uh, a couple of chapters. Uh, God in my healing, confidence. Mm-hmm. Through strength, uh, you know, God doesn't take away from you the time you spend fishing. Um, those have been high points and journeys in my life that I would recommend to anyone. Uh, martial arts training gave me a focus that it took, you know, I was a timid child, if anybody can believe that. <laughs> I was a timid child. I, I just didn't want to be bothered with the questions. Imagine being, you know, eight, eight, nine, ten years old and having people ask you what happened to your real mom and dad. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it. I didn't. I didn't want to go out of the closet. I, and then, as I learned to live a little bit more, I learned to roar a little bit, and I learned to be my own man and run a business for my whole life. Forty-six years, self-employed. 
been a martial artist till the arthritis crippled me, been a fisherman all my life, uh, that you can enjoy things, but that there's always hope and, and not to get too caught up in who, what, when, where, why wasn't I good enough. I like uh, that. I like that. All right. Well, Paul, we uh, we have come down to the end of this conversation. But, folks, if you want to learn more, you go to 15milesthejourney.com. It's all there. You can learn about the writer, get a copy of the book, and you can meet him at the expo. Again, happening December 2nd, 10 a.m., 4 p.m. Free event. Buy the books at the Crown Plaza Ballroom in Warwick, Rhode Island. And, Paul, thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you in person. Wow. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Hi, this is singer Kate Eppers, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. Okay, everyone, that brings this episode to a close. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, December 2nd, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Crown Plaza Ballroom in Warwick, Rhode Island. It's the annual Rhode Island Author Expo, and I hope to see you there.